So in a movie, 2001, uh, a man by the name of John Nash, and it was portrayed by Russell Crowe, and it was an amazing movie that just kind of really caught my attention. Uh, he was a brilliant, 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 brilliant man. Uh, he, he was uh, in mathematics, and in, in calculus, and in physics, and, and, and in economics. And uh, in this movie called A Beautiful Mind, and, and this man had a, a beautiful mind. In this movie, uh, the director, Ron Howard, did something really different. And Ron Howard kind of waited until about an hour into the movie to share with us a very, a, a very essential secret. As we're watching this movie kind of unplay, about an hour into it, we all become to the awareness of something that we didn't know previously. That while this man was incredibly brilliant, he was also schizophrenic and delusional. And what I had watched for the last hour was mostly not real. And I kind of just, you see this man's life being kind of lived out, and all of a sudden you become aware. This man has an amazing, beautiful mind, and it's in this, this brain that is utterly confused and utterly delusional and utterly schizophrenic. And as I thought about the message this morning, I thought it kind of did give a picture. There's no good kind of pictures, but a picture of the Christian life. That, that we are called to live beautiful lives. You're not here at any point, this, but not perfect lives, but we are called to live utterly, stunningly beautiful lives in a very evil and corrupt and fallen world. And I think as Christians, and I think in America, and I think maybe in our, co our context, we just don't see how wicked and how evil our world is. Now, maybe some of you are doing a Bible reading plan, and your Bible reading plan started you in Genesis. So I get reminded every year as we read Genesis, and we get in chapter 1 of Genesis and creation, chapter 2, chapter 3, and we see this first son kill this second son. And we begin to see just how evil sin is. And we're just six chapters into our Bible, and we see God is going to destroy every living thing because the world is so evil. And God does destroy every living thing except those in the ark because the world is so evil. If there is a verse that just captures the Old Testament, yes, God's faithfulness, God's faithfulness, God's faithfulness, God's faithfulness. But people doing right in their own eyes. And we live in a culture of just untold so many most people just doing what is right in their own eyes 24 hours a day seven days a week 365 days a year no regard for God no regard for his purposes his claim on their lives we live in a civilized society and we just look around as it's all is well we watch TV and we watch movies and we read books and we go to the store and we just have the sense maybe I'm the only one in the room that thinks this way you know, everybody's kind of okay. The world's going to be okay. We're going to get through whatever we need to get through, and we're just okay. And we just don't realize how evil and how corrupt and how fallen our world is. And as followers of Jesus, we are called to be salt on the earth. Our, our lives are to be lived in such a way that they are to be, have a, a preserving and a flavoring we're to be the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. No, no person lights a, a candle and puts it under a bushel. No, we, we put it on a stand so that all may have light. So you also let your light shine before men and women that they may see your good deeds and give praise to your Father who is in heaven. Brothers and sisters, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all. 
teaching us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and yes to a self-controlled, upright, and godly life in this present age. God has procured, or Jesus has procured much for us on the cross. He saves us of our sins, and he he gives us the the promise and the experience of eternal life here. And Jesus also purchased for us a, a life that would reflect him, a life that would reflect God, a life that would be lived out before others that would display his character, his holiness, his his goodness to an evil and a corrupt generation. As Larry said, I want to speak this morning to holiness. I want to speak to our call to holiness. That God created us for this great end. Not perfection, not to draw attention to ourselves, but that his grace would be so lavish and so rich in our lives that we would indeed, yes, be saved of our sins. We would indeed be given the promise of eternal life. And yes, indeed, we, by his grace, empowered by his spirit, would live godly and upright lives in this present age. I want to speak to holiness. Do you think about it much? 2022, was that one of your top priorities to grow in holiness? A greater longing for holiness to be worked out in your life? I want to speak to that this morning. It's a different message, as you probably can already tell. We're not moving through a book of the Bible. It's just one of your pastors up just sharing something that might be a word of encouragement. And hear it this morning as a, as a word of encouragement. I've wrestled with this for the last month and a half. And I'm not, most of my stuff's not going to be said this morning. And a lot of things are going to go unsaid. You're going to come to the back. Well, Jeff, you didn't say this. I know. But I believe there's, there's something that I will say that we need to hear this morning. I'm trusting that God has. But if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 7. And I want to just, from this text, just consider for a few moments uh, a few things as it would pertain to the holy life. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, just reading verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord again this morning. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Father, would you just in these few moments awaken us? I believe even Larry spoke of being refreshed in us, a longing and a desire for holiness. Not as an end in itself, But Lord, it would be through as faith in you as we would come to you, as we would know you. But yes, to the end, that we would live for the glory of God and enjoy you every day of our lives. Would you work in us and would you awaken in us a greater longing and a greater hunger for holiness in our lives? Father, we can't make it happen. Only you can. So would you use your word now? And would you, by your spirit, Convict and encourage and inspire, uplift. Meet us, we pray, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Holiness. 
Let me begin by defining. I brought just a few friends up here with me this morning. Men, we're doing a study by J.C. Ryle. This is what kind of started this uh, by J.C. Ryle, just a book called Holiness. We're meeting on the first Saturday of the month. We're still early in the book. Men, if you still want to join us, you can get a book. See Larry. Uh, we'll get your book. But J.C. Ryle, Jerry Bridges, uh, The Pursuit of Holiness are just a few of the ones that are just kind of stirring my thinking, my reflecting, my understanding on this. And we need to at least start with some descriptions, maybe start with a little bit of a definition. What, what, what are you talking about this morning? So Bridges, in, in one of his, his chapters here, just kind of worked in more of what I would call more of a description. And Bridges describes holiness this way. He says, holiness is not a list of do's or don'ts, but conformity to the character of God and obedience to the will of God. It's not a list of do or don'ts, but it's increasingly in our lives by the Holy Spirit conformity to the character of God and obedience to the will of God. Let that help us this morning. I'm just going to keep that simple. Just, just a, a, let, let a, a definition, a description such as that. Let me give you one more. This one's from Wayne Grudem in his um, biblical theology book. Uh, he's speaking of sanctification. He's speaking of holiness. And he says, it's a work in which God and man cooperate, each playing distinct roles. It is a progressive work of God and man that makes us more and more free from sin and more and more like Christ in our actual lives. That's what we're speaking about this morning. Holiness, godliness, Christ-likeness, cooperating with God. We cannot do this, but empowered by God, new creations in Jesus, he would have us with him. Less and less sin, more and more Christ-likeness. Being conformed to the character of God. More obedient to the will of God. We're commanded in Scripture, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7 says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. 1 Peter 1, 15 Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, to the church at Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy. Not perfect, but holiness, a call to holiness. So let's just, from this text, let me just kind of lift up a few things to, that, that, that the Lord might use to inflame our thinking, to inform our thinking, and to encourage our hearts to greater holiness this morning. Text begins, since we have these promises, and I, this is a study in 2 Corinthians, and I can't go and unpack, but if we just look at the verses before, the verses before are speaking of holiness. They come from the book of Leviticus, which is a book about holiness, and from the prophet Isaiah, when he's addressing a lack of holiness in the times in which he walked. Just above that is a, 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 a heading, the temple of the living God. Our bodies are temples of the living God. The third person of the Trinity dwells within our bodies. We have been filled with the Holy Spirit. Do we not think a filling of the Holy Spirit would enable his people to live holy lives? I'm putting no confidence in my flesh this morning, as you will hear. But the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. What does Jesus have in common with, with Satan? What does righteousness have in common with lawlessness? What does light have in common with darkness? What does Christians have in common? It's all this, this reference to this being separate. He saved us that we would, we would be separated unto him and live unto him in a broken and a decaying world. 
godliness and, and, and holiness. So the call, we have these promises. We're, we're dearly loved of God. What is the call to us this morning? Let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit. Let us. This is a call for you, and this is a call for me. Let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and of spirit. So we speak of cleanse ourselves. Why? How can I even begin to cleanse myself? I can't, Jeff. I can't cleanse myself. You can't. You're right. I can't cleanse myself. So what is he, what is he calling me to do here? Well, he's calling me to deal with my sin. That's the calling, that we are called to deal with our sin. Christ has definitively dealt with our sin, and we've placed our faith in Christ, and Christ has done something. I mean, I can't get into all that today, but we are called, you and I, to deal, to cleanse ourselves from all defilement of body and spirit. What does that mean? Well, it means we confess our sins. We bring our sins to God. It means we understand the, the, the place that sin still has in our life. Now, let me step back, and I can't unpack all this. And one of the things that maybe will help us most in thought to us is we really need to consider how God thinks about sin. And I don't think that's something that's front burner for us. We, we kind of see it as unfortunate. We kind of see it as we see sin. And we kind of just get into this culture and things are just okay. God hates sin. There are six things the Lord hates. There are seven that are detestable to him. They're God's words. He hates sin. It is detestable. I will say even in the believer's lives, God hates my sin. He is a holy God, an utterly holy God. He is not indifferent to the sin in my life. He is not indifferent to the sin in your life. Has Christ purchased it all? Yes. As I stand before Jesus, or stand before God through faith in Jesus, my sin is forgiven. That, that perfect life that Jesus lived is accredited me. I am utterly and completely holy in God's presence. That's in God's presence. But as I live out this life, he's still, there is a hatred. And I believe as we would grow in hatred, we would start seeing things as God sees things. Do you hate your sin? Do you despise, do those words, are they, is it detestable to you? And I think our growing in holiness begins as we would reckon with the scriptures for ourselves and see God's hating of sin. That's the first thing. The second thing we need to realize is our relationship to sin has changed. And I can't get into Romans 5, and I can't get into Romans 6 and 7 and 8 right now, but let me just say this as best I can. Our relationship through faith in Jesus Christ has changed to sin. It's changed. I was a slave to sin. I was. I could still do nice things. I could still appear like a nice man, moral man. I was an utter slave to sin. But through faith in Jesus, I am no longer a slave to sin. And through faith in Jesus, you are no longer a slave to sin. The word of God says, I'm a slave to righteousness. That's my master. Jesus is my master. And I am now been liberated, if you will, from the dominion of darkness and sin. And I've been transferred to a slave, to righteousness. Jesus died to sin once and for all. And as I'm united to Jesus through faith, I also am dead to sin. And I'm alive to God in Christ Jesus. And we need to realize that and we need to understand that. Brothers and sisters, we sin because we want to sin. 
And we get caught off guard and our flesh does us in and there's still this remnant that's going to rear its head. Nobody's going to do that till the day we die. We're going to have sin and we're going to have temptation and we're going to have desires. I don't sin because I have to sin because I'm a slave to sin. In many ways, I sin because I want to sin. I have power made available to me, but I choose not to. Our relationship with sin has changed. The text says that we are to cleanse ourselves from all defilement of body. Let me just start there. We are to cleanse ourselves through God and through Jesus and his finished work, but we are to take an, a role in this, if you will. Well, what is that? Let me give you an example. This past week, um, I'm home at lunch, and I got my little, my little sandwich set, and I got my little potato chips set, and I'm ready to enjoy lunch, right? I go to the refrigerator, open the refrigerator door, and there's no iced tea, all right? And there's a little spit of, of lemonade sitting there, and, and, and then there's always water. I hate water, all right? And uh, so I'm sitting in my house, and I got my little sandwich set, and you would not believe what I did. I put on a jacket, and I went out into one of the coldest days of the year so far, walked down my steps, I got into a cold car, I drove a mile to the Pittman Convenience Store. You're laughing, all right? I drove to the Pittman Convenience Store. I walked to the back thing, opened up a shelf. I bought a one-liter bottle of Mountain Dew. I did. One year, one liter bottle of Mountain Dew. I went to the cash register. I paid two sixty-four <laughs> for one liter of Mountain Dew. I drove home, got back to my table. I poured myself a glass of Mountain Dew, and it hit me. All right. I know some of you just think drinking Mountain Dew is sin itself. All right. <laughs> Listen, I'm free in Jesus. I'm free in Jesus. Stay with me. I'm free in Jesus to drink Mountain Dew, and so are you. Right. Listen. It hit me, all right? I just, I just took 15 minutes of my life to pursue something my flesh wanted. I realized in that moment, God made it crystal clear to me in that moment that yes, we are free. What does Galatians 5.13 says? You, my brothers, were called to be free. I am absolutely and utterly free in Jesus, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. And it was convicted. It's not for you. This was a word for me that God revealed to me. I, I used my freedom to indulge my sinful nature, and I do it every day. I want, and I want, and I want, and I want. He has met every single need in my life. And what do I do? I use my freedom to want whatever I can get. In my flesh, we set temptation in front of us. I had to confess with the brothers on Thursday night. We were just sharing a time of confession in areas of struggle, and I just said self-control. Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. We don't even think about it. A fruit of the Spirit is self-control. A fruit of the Spirit is you say no to all your fleshly desires. And I used my freedom to indulge my sinful nature. It's perfectly fine to go get a couple cups. It's perfectly fine to. But when we just continue to, I want, I want, and we continue to feel, what happens? Emotionally, we just shrivel. Spiritually, we just shrivel. We wonder why God feels so distant. We sit and feed our flesh all day long. And we wonder why spiritually we feel like we're barely alive. He's saying, cleanse yourself of all defilement of body. For me, that was a defilement of body. I would have done my body and my soul a whole lot better by pouring myself a cold glass of water, and I didn't. 
I went to great lengths to get what I wanted. And we don't have to go to great lengths. All I have to do is hit a button and I'll have what I want at my doorstep tomorrow. We live and we just put it, we parade it in front of us. Temptation, temptation, temptation. And we don't think the remnant of flesh isn't going to desire those things. And we're not going to find ourselves in America acting on those things. For me, that was sin. For me, I needed to confess that sin. That was not self-control. We're to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives now. Right now in this present age. That's defilement of body. I could go on and on. Defilement of spirit. I can be talking with one of you. I'll just stay with me. I can be talking with one of you after the service. Brother in Christ, sister in Christ, loved of Jesus. I love you. I care about you. In an instant, we could be having a conversation. And you will say something that I disagree with. And immediately, I will take the higher ground. I will immediately, I don't even think about it sometimes. I immediately am on the higher ground and I'm looking down at you because I'm right and you're wrong. And I can start to kind of work some things in my mind. And I got this big old log in my eye. And I'm looking down on you with your little, and I'm about to do some surgery on that little speck that's in your, your eye. In just an instant, I can have the most critical spirit. And I can say judgment between me and another person just because we disagree and just because I immediately think I'm right. I can look at some a brother and sister created in the image of God, redeemed through the shed blood of Jesus. And all of a sudden, I've got a critical spirit towards you. I'm judging you. And in that moment, God shows me, man, what, what pride is still in there? What, what kind of self-righteousness still resides in me? I ask you, brother and sister, what do you do in those moments? Do we, do we just keep the truck moving down the things? Do we just kind of keep going on with life? Is it just some unfortunate thing? The word of God says, cleanse yourself of every defilement of body and of spirit. We make war. Let me talk about that for a minute. Let's go to a familiar portion of scripture. I just put two little scenarios in my life. I got plenty of them. Speak to me afterwards, all right? I don't say that to my whatever, whatever. I'll share that to God's glory, all right? What do we do? We confess our sin. That's what we do. What does 1 John 1, 9 say? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us. Let's just start. If. I have to open my mouth. I have to stop and realize that what I'm doing is wrong, receive that illumination that the Spirit is showing me, because it's the Spirit showing me my heart and my actions, and I need to confess. It's not a given. We get so used to things, we don't even think about confessing. I'll get to it later. We don't. Confess. If we confess our sins, let me talk to you for a minute about confession. We're talking about confession. I'm talking about owning it. We're talking about owning what you just did, owning what you just said. The Holy Spirit shines light on it. You kind of know it, and we just kind of numbed ourselves, and we just keep on going. Wait a minute. Lord, that was wrong. How haughty, how arrogant, how, how prideful that immediately I think I'm right, and this person's wrong in this discussion. Lord, that is awful. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. Work in me a greater spirit of humility. What did that just take me, 20 seconds? That's what we do. We might not say it out loud, but that, that's what we do. We, we own it. 
We name it. We, we don't name our sin. We, we just wait till the end of the day. We lay in bed at night and we just kind of throw up some prayer. Lord, I probably did some things wrong today. Please forgive me. No. No help in, 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 in sanctification. No help in becoming more holiness. We name it. We, we speak of haughtiness. We speak of lies. We speak of deception. We, we, we speak of, of critical spirits and judging others. And we address it and we, and we see it. And we own it and we do it regularly. We don't wait till the end of the day. We're, we're doing it throughout the day. Confess our sins. And what does the Bible say? He's faithful and just. He is so faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That's the wonderful work that Christ has worked for us on his behalf. He's given us his spirit. He doesn't leave me where I am. He loves me too much to kind of leave me. He wants me to walk in greater godliness and, and greater Christ likeness, more freedom from sin. But a means, a part that we would play in that is that I would confess my sin. Now, here's something I missed. I think it was H.B. Charles. I don't know if any of you know H.B. Charles. Adult retreat. Thank you, Sam Davis. We're going to bring H.B. Charles with me to adult retreat via video. But I was listening to a message by H.B. Charles on this verse. And I missed that he cleanses us of all unrighteousness. And H.B. just kind of went with, yes, God forgives us our sin in Jesus' finished work. All of our sin is atoned for. All of our sin is think past, present, future. And he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. God forgives me my sin, and he gives me fresh power for the next time. That's what he's speaking of. That as we do business here, as God begins to do business and forgiving me, and, he's, and he's, as by his spirit, he lovingly reminds me and shows me, and he gives me the grace even to utter the very words, then he cleanses me. The, the, the next time there's fresh power to not do that. There's fresh awareness not to do that. But if we didn't do this step, there's not that cleansing so that the next time we don't revisit. He cleanses us of all unrighteousness. Confess your sin. He's faithful. He's just to forgive you your sin and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. We are to cleanse ourselves from all defilement of body and spirit I know things are churning, even as I, as I speak, that we bring to the Lord. Let me move on to this other side of the equation. We, can, we confess, we acknowledge, we own, we take responsibility, we, we, we seek the cleansing that he offers. Yes, we have been forever cleansed. Yes, our sin is covered through the shed blood of Jesus, but he, he bids us to come and to, to confess our sin. But, but let me move on. So that's a part. We, we renounce, we, 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 we cleanse ourselves of all defilement. What's the rest of the verse say? Bringing holiness to completion, oh boy, in the fear of God. Bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. God has made provision for us. And I, I just like to go down verse by God is at work in us to will and to work his good pleasure, Philippians 2 tells us. May now the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. God has made every ounce of provision for us to live holy lives. Christ has purchased that for us. He has made all grace abound to us to this end. He has given us his Holy Spirit. We have been united to him by faith. He has given us a brand new heart. And we are united to Christ through faith. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. He's made provision for us. But as I, as I studied, as I listened, as I try to come to an understanding of some of the texts that I read in the Bible, um, I think it was Grudem in some of his, his systematic theology, uh, was very, just very helpful. Um, the, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of holiness, and he produces holiness in us. How does he do that? 
Our role in this, so God has made provision. Our role in this is that we have a passive role in this. We prayed, not that praying is passive, but we, we pray and we acknowledge and, and, we, and we believe what, what Christ has done. There, there's a sense of a, of a passive role that we have in our holiness, and then there's an active role in our holiness. Let me speak to this for just a few minutes and close. There's an active role in our holiness. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. If by the Spirit you put to death. He's not asking the Holy Spirit to put it to death. He's asking you by the Spirit to put to death the deeds of the body. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Hebrews 12, strive for without holiness no one will see the Lord. 2 Peter 1.5 says we are called to make every effort to grow in the character traits that accord with, godly, with godliness. Bring holiness to completion in the fear of the Lord. It's not a list of do's or don'ts. It's conformity to the character of God and it's obedience to the will of God. And let me just list for you just a few things. Just a few things as we, as we studied as men uh, last uh, the last time we met on Saturday, chapter 3 in this book, with some of the, 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 the practical as aspects of holiness. Let me just lift up a few things for your consideration this morning. First thing I would say, we confess all known sin. Ryle says this, we confess all known sin and, and we obey all known commandments. We obey all known commandments. Can you even for a moment imagine that Jesus would call you to do something that is not absolutely and perfectly for your good and for his glory. Do you think Jesus would ask me to do something that would be harmful for me? No. For Jesus, it was his food to do the will of his Father. And I would say in holiness, it is increasingly our food to do the will of God in our lives. His commandments are not burdensome. And I believe God reveals his will for us as we would walk in, in greater obedience to his commandments. I just happened to be in Ephesians chapter 4. And I just flipped there and I just was there. And I, I put the whole verse, the whole section down here, but just verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Did God put that in his word to, to trip me up and to make me miserable about myself? No. He put that in his word and he filled me with his spirit and he gave me a brand new heart and he gave me a faith to rely solely on the finished work of Jesus. And some of the outworking of that is I would walk in greater obedience than letting no unwholesome talk come from my mouth. But only that which is for the, for the good and for the upbuilding of others. His commands are not burdensome to, burdensome to us. So as God would bring his commands to our minds more and more, as he would cleanse us from all unrighteousness, we would walk more consistently and more faithfully and experience far greater joy and peace in our lives as we would obey all known commandments. Secondly, a holy man or woman will live a life of self-denial. I've touched on it in my own life. Bonhoeffer, when Jesus calls a man, he bids him to come and die. Die to yourself and live to God, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. That is true. We walk in the reality of that. 
we are dead to ourselves. We are alive to Christ Jesus. I um, read this from, from Ryle, and I had to stop the guys on it last time we met, and it just, it just struck me. I'm just going to read it. Ryle says this in his book about practical holiness. He says, he, the man or woman who would live a holy life, will labor. They will labor to mortify the desires of their bodies, to crucify their flesh with their affections and lust, to curb their passions and to restrain all carnal inclinations. And I share with the men, that's, that's air I'm not even breathing. I don't have anyone really speaking regularly in my life that is calling me by God's grace, empowered by his spirit, because this brother loves me, and he's saying to me, Jeff, there's life here. Mortify all the desires of your body. Crucify your flesh with your affections and your lusts. Curb all your passions and restrain all carnal inclinations. Is that going to ruin my life? Is that going to make me a miserable person? I don't believe it will. I believe some of us are miserable people because we're doing those very things. And he calls us to a life that is truly beautiful. It's a life that's rived with peace and with joy. It's a life of holiness that he created us for, he has called us for, and he has made every single provision for. And he would have his people walk in it. We'll strive to be like the Lord Jesus. We will strive to be like the Lord Jesus. We'll have faith in him. We'll have faith in his finished work on the cross. We'll draw strength from him and peace from him. But we will labor to have his mind. And we will labor to be increasingly conformed to his image. Just listen to what I'm saying here this morning. We are exhorted in the scriptures to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. To love others as Christ has loved us. To serve as Christ served us and gave his life as a ransom for any. Do you have any idea what I've just done for you washing the disciples' feet? So you also go and serve and wash others' feet. To be lowly and humble, even as Christ was of no reputation and humbled himself, even to death on a cross. To be meek and patient, even as Christ was led silently to slaughter. To be full of love and compassion for sinners. For it is not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. And to seek to please God alone. Jesus lived a life. He sought to please God alone. Can we gather this morning and say, yes, I seek to please Christ and to please God alone. We, we, we are to, by God's grace, lives that are more and more like the Lord Jesus. Um, I believe the holy man or woman, again, help people showing me and help me see some of these things uh, be eternally minded set not your, your mind on things below but on, on things above Colossians 3:20 says our citizenship is in heaven uh, the beauty of heaven Craig even exhorted us the beauty of heaven is the beauty of holiness if there's one place we can think heaven is utterly holy there's not even a, a hint of sin in heaven it's utterly holy I have been convicted and encouraged, encouraged. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. I've been wrestling with this stuff for a month and a half. Probably one of the most difficult things I read. One of the most challenging things I read was this. Why, why would people who have no desire for holiness now want to go to heaven where it's completely holy? And God used that phrase to just reveal 
some idols in my life, to reveal some cravings in my life, some longings. Why would someone who has very little desire for holiness now think he would feel welcomed and and enjoy heaven, which is an utterly holy place? It's provocative. It's worthy of our thinking about. I don't say that in a condemning way in anything. But that God would stir us up to say, what am I living for? What am I pursuing I'm giving myself to something. We're all giving ourselves to something. We're going to fill 24 hours, sleep for a few, but we're going to fill it with something. Is it by the grace of God that that we would be pursuing? One last one, because it's in the text. And I'll close. Finally, a holy man or woman will, will fear the Lord. Bringing holiness to completion in the, in the fear of the Lord. Do you stand, me, Ocean City, do you stand at the, at the feet of the waves and you look out on this, this ocean, do you stand and know that our God holds the oceans in the hollow of his hands? Do you go out on a starry night and see a couple hundred stars and know that there are billions upon billions upon billions of stars and our God knows every one of them by name? And because of his great power, not one of them is missing. We could take our armed forces, maybe the greatest armed force that's ever been known. We could take our, 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 our Marines and our, our Army and our Air Force and our Navy, maybe one of the greatest powers that's been ever been put together. You know what that is? That great mass of power and ability to destruct, it, it is dust on the scales. It is next to nothing and meaningless compared to our God. It is a pesky insect to, to, to our God. Jesus spoke a word, and a, and a raging storm became a dead, glassy sea. Jesus said, and why, why would you fear some person that can, that, can, that can kill your body? You fear the one that can destroy your body in hell. Do we fear God? I'll ask you this morning, are we a God-fearing people? That used to be something we actually said. There was such a presence. There was such a way that a person would carry themselves. There was such a God-centered thinking and a God-centered living and a a Christ-exalting nature that as this person walked and moved and lived out their lives, there was such a sense that unbelieving people would say, that's a God-fearing man. Are we people that fear the Lord? And he has given, he set so much broody, just what we sang, our first three songs. Oh, that we would. We are declaring, oh, with increasing awareness that we would not be people-pleasing, people-fearing people, but that indeed, by God's grace, we would be God-fearing, perfecting, bringing holiness in the fear of God. It's beautiful life. It's a stunningly beautiful life. God has made every bit of provision. I am not asking anybody to pull up any bootstraps and let's go harder at this Christian life. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying start where we started. Confess your sin. But I want to tell you first and foremost, it, it, is, it is beautiful. It, it's God's intention for all of us, and we will all fall short. There's going to be a remnant of flesh for the day or die. We're going to battle. I believe even the Apostle Paul, who lived a very righteous life, he just, the more light that was shown in Paul's life, the more Paul said, you know what? I'm just so screwed up. We do. 
But God works in us greater works of righteousness for his course. It is a beautiful life. It's a joyful life. It's a peaceful life. It's a God-honoring life. And my exhortation for us this morning would be this. Do you have someone? Larry hinted at it in the prayer. Does anyone else in the world know even an nth of your sin? Do you have relationship, brothers with another brother? I want to say no husbands and wives. Do, do we have brothers, brothers? The first thing I would encourage, do you have another person that you can share your struggles with that really knows your stuff? That you could sit and pull the door closed and say, I got to share something with you and this is going to be really hard to hear. First of all, if you get that feeling, listen, we're all there. We're all struggling. And you pull that door and you begin to share and you begin to confess some of your sin. If there's one walk away from this message, I, I, I cannot plead with you enough. We can sit and have our safe little Bible studies all you want, and they're good. Our safe little book studies all you want. At some point, we cannot close ourselves off in a closet, turn our back, shut the door, and turn the lights off and think we're going to do business with God and the Christian life and do business with our sin. At some point, I, need to, I can't even see my stuff. Somebody's got to tell me and, and, and articulate it for me. Well, Jeff, that's not even your problem. Your problem is this. I didn't even see it. Thank you. Do, do we have anybody? Are we cultivating relationships where we feel that we can begin to share? I, I want a brother to brother, sister to sister, that we would have those kinds of relationships, Mike Marcus. I believe the end will be greater holiness. Get it out in the light. I've held sin and kept it in the dark, and I've had to go and confess some ugly sin to brothers before. It's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, and it's one of the greatest things I've ever done. Get your sin out in the light. Let somebody know what it is so they can truly care for your soul, and we can just stop playing games sometimes of just kind of this, this, this cultural Christianity we've adopted, and for the first time, somebody gets real in a meeting. Man, God was in that. God really seemed present in that. Yes, cleanse yourself of all defilement. Do you have someone that you can share this journey with? I just want to close in, in, in a prayer of confession. We did not do a prayer of confession today, and, and I believe maybe the most appropriate response. I don't know where you are. I hope, I really, really do hope. I've been dealing with this for a month and a half. I just want to put something on the table. I hope there's nothing said that you receive in any kind of a condemning way. I have got so much of my own stuff that I've been processing and dealing with. But I pray something has been said this morning that God would use to quicken in you. God would use to awaken in you. God would reveal to you an area of neglect, an area of just, I want, I want, I want, and I want. Lord Jesus, you have met every single need. Forgive me for all of my I wants. I just want to pray with you. I want to pray for you uh, as we close this morning. But that, again, it's not an end of an end. We are called, the end, the chief end of my life is live the glory of God and to enjoy him forever. That's why God created me. And I believe this is one of those parts of that, that doing, that we would walk and we would abide in a greater holiness as we were preparing to go and see him face to face. And I pray God would grant us the grace. He has made every provision available by his spirit that he will give us the grace to do that. Let me pray for us. Let's pray. <laughs> Father heaven, I just asked at the beginning that you would awaken, uh, you, would, you would fan a flame um, in us to quicken us. And I just pray that, Lord, through your words this morning, you've done that. 
where I've been in error, would you show me that? Would you bring a brother or sister to come up and address that with me? Uh, but Lord, that anything that has been said in accordance with your will for this people, uh, would you cause it to be so? Lord, I pray you would humble us. I pray that we would not make light of the sin in our lives. I pray this wouldn't just be another message that we hear and we just walk out. Because, Lord, it's true that there is seed that just falls on the rocky path. And, and the bird, Satan, just comes, snatches it right up. We just go back to life. We, we try to, Lord, I pray that wouldn't be so. But you would be so kind and so good to use this stammering tongue and this, this text today. To, to take good seed and plant it in good soil. So, Lord, we confess our, our apathy, our indifference towards our holiness. There are things in the Bible that you have done, and we treasure them and value them. There are things that we read, Lord, that you call us to work with you. And, Lord, we have been indifferent, and we have been apathetic, and we've given little consideration. We ask your forgiveness. Forgive us for, for haughtiness and for, for pride and for self-righteousness. Forgive us for just busyness. And forgive us for just continually to give in to fleshly desires and wonder why our spiritual lives seem very dry and barren. Forgive us, Lord. And Lord, I pray in a very special way you would, you would meet with us this morning and you would meet with us this week. You would remind us of these truths, and I pray you would keep us from trying to do them in our own strength, trying to just apply this thing in a rigid way to our lives, but we would just see our utter desperation that apart from you, we can do nothing. We would be utterly dependent upon your grace and the working of your Holy Spirit, and we would experience a fresh working of your Spirit in our lives this morning, not for our sake, but for your sake, and that, Lord, you'd begin to reveal things to us, and as you would reveal those things to us, we would cleanse ourselves. We would come to you and we would confess it. We would take ownership and responsibility for it. And we would be crystal clear in what it is. And Lord, I pray, I will not presume upon your grace, but I would pray that you would not only forgive us our sins, but that you would cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You would give us fresh power for the next time, and then the next time, and then the next time. And by your grace, maybe not even aware to ourselves, you would cause your people to walk in greater holiness. Again, not for our sake. It will never be perfect, but for your sake. Would you be pleased to do that in us and through us? And Lord, we'll give you all the thanks and praise. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.